the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. <clears throat> uh, glad to be with you. Alan Dempsey is our engineer, as usual, and Andrew Hurdlisk is the producer. Nancy Hicks joins us in the first segment from Wayne, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> Nancy, welcome. How are you doing? Glad to have you. Thanks. Oh, thanks so much, Pat. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Explain uh, this book, Meant to Live. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> well, it's a call to the church. It's uh, this core, overarching, primary, shared calling that I really saw jump off the page in Genesis chapter 3, where God goes out into the garden and calls us back to life. And it really was precipitated, Pat, by uh, decades of, of my work in the church as a leader, um, never for pay. You know, I was working for pay in the marketplace, but always a leader in the church. And just watching sort of people giving their sloppy seconds to the church, though they're doing great out in the marketplace, or lackluster or lacking in vigor, um, watching, obviously, the the radical decline in the church here in North America. Um, we know about our millennials leaving, but a, a, a surprising segment of, of our uh, population in the church uh, is women that are exiting the church. So we know about these things, um, and at the same time, I was reading it while I was in seminary, I just graduated about five years ago from seminary, I um, was reading about the gospel, the good news of Christ, God's love for the world through Christ, uh, burgeoning like never before in history. And so I was traveling to India. I was traveling to um, various countries around the world, Africa and Asia and South America, and seeing that the gospel is very much alive. People are coming alive um, daily. But here in North America, in the West, the church is in radical decline. So I said, you know what, sort of like Vince Lombardi, I know you're a big sports guy, you know, that he, him holding up a football and saying, gentlemen, to those, those football players, those pro ball players, gentlemen, this is a football. I sort of wanted to have a book that, that goes back to first things and diagnoses, here's what's going on, and, um, and go back to first things, God's call to life. That's why I called it meant to live, living in light of the good news. Um, so that's how it came about, and that's what it's all about. Well, let's dive in. The first chapter is called The Church Alive. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, so The Church Alive really is um, some of the stories that came out of my travels. And I just started this ministry, Nancy Hicks Live, um, just over three years ago when I, I graduated from seminary and then started. So I've been just at this for a while, though, again, I've been a leader in the church for years. But the Church Alive is looking at some of these places, again, like Africa, India, uh, Asia, I should say, and um, South America, and seeing hundreds of thousands of people coming into the kingdom. Um, I'll give you an example. When I was in India, for example, I, um, you know, I walked in. One, on one Sunday, I was speaking in three different churches, 
And one of those churches was a village church, and it was an incredible opportunity for me to be driven out of um, of one of the cities, I think it was Lucknow, and driving probably three hours, hot, steamy, um, and then we arrive in a field, and I'm told by my by my uh, pastor friend, here we are, and I said, here we are where? He said, the church is over there, and it was this, this tin-roofed building, just cinder block building, and when I stepped inside, there were about 200 followers of Jesus, recent followers of Christ, recent converts to Christianity, all in their colored garb, all just worshiping God in just this full way, and just so hungry to know, how, what is this good news? How can I live in this, in the power of the gospel? And I come back here, and I'm just looking for that hunger. I know it exists. I'm not saying it's non-existent here in North America, but I am saying that there is generally this lackluster. So we, we, we have this, this dichotomy, the church alive in various parts of the world, but barely breathing here in North America. You move, <clears throat> you move to your topic, second topic. It's simply called Genesis. Explain that one. Yes. Genesis is, um, really is the core of the book. And I've taken it, um, this chapter, and given you the scene again back in Genesis chapter 3. So uh, chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis, God's creating everything. And of course, the centerpiece and crowning uh, of his creation is, um, is us, people. And he's in relationship with people, and, he's, um, and they're alive, and they're naked without shame, Adam and Eve we're talking about here. And then in chapter 3, which really sets up the book, chapter 3 is when Adam and Eve go their own way for the first time, and that results in uh, them being separated from God, which results in death, because God is life, and if we're separated from this God, then we are, by all intents and purposes, spiritually dead. And so we see Adam and Eve in this particular scene, hiding now from God. They're ashamed of their nakedness. And I think what's really critical in this particular scene is tracking God. What, it got, what exactly is God doing in that scene? And what we see in verses 8 and 9 is God going out into the garden and calling to the man, Where are you? And that's explicit in the text, but implicit in the text is you were meant to live, calling them back to life. And then we know that the remainder of Scripture, 66 uh, books in the Bible, is all about God calling us back into relationship, back to life. Bad news, good news is your third category. Uh, What does that mean? Bad news, good news. Well, actually, uh, Pat, that is what I do is I outline, and this is something I have... I have used for a long time, at least, you know, 15 years. I was head of outreach and evangelism, actually, at our churches outside. It's a a large non-denominational church. And when I was head of outreach, this was a very simplified way of my presenting the gospel and helping people uh, pick up a way to make the core of the gospel transferable. So the bad news, good news is, is that if you look at the gospel sort sort of a four point classic gospel structure. The good news is that uh, we were created to be in relationship with God and that God loves us. The bad news is that there is indeed a fall, which I just described, that comes out of Genesis uh, chapter 3. But then the third point in the gospel is Jesus, and um, that is good news. So we've kind of got this 
this good news is the first point, bad news is the fall. Then we go back to good news in that third point, which is Jesus, come and live, and in Christ you can be alive again. And then the fourth point in a classic gospel structure is um, the restoration of the kingdom, when Christ comes again and establishes his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's good news. And so when you look at the gospel, it's sort of a bad, it's good news, bad news, good news, good news. Very simple way of remembering it. And I think sometimes what happens is we, as followers of Christ, can sort of focus on the bad news instead of looking at three points or 75% of the gospel that is indeed good news. So that's what that chapter is about. Nancy, what does the chapter called Untapped mean? (laughs) So I go into um, describing what sort of what I see in the Church today Again, this is not exhaustive. This is not exclusively what I see. I want to say that, you know, for sure, Um, because we do, we can point at a lot of good things, of course, the Church is doing. You're doing good work right now in your radio show. Um, And so, but Untapped is one of the, in fact, the first of the four camps of Christians that I describe in the book, where I sort of see, um, again, over decades of working as a leader in the Church, I sort of see these camps of Christians that are kind of camping out in the lowlands or in the bad news rather than living in light of the good news. So the first group of Christians is this untapped camp, um, and these are people who can be marginalized. Women, we're not tapping into the resources. Women, uh, people who are disabled, um, people who are high-functioning, but there's always this sort of nagging, when will I be found out, or I shouldn't be here, this kind of imposter syndrome. Um, people who feel like I'm just a grain of sand on the beach, I don't, I don't really have much to offer, this kind of worm theology. And they kind of camp there, and that's what that whole chapter is about it. And I love that I've I was deliberate uh, in making it a very interactive chapter. All of these four chapters on the four camps um, allow the reader to sort of find themselves or people that have been influential in their lives find themselves or those people in one of these four camps. Now, <clears throat> we got to take a break, and then we're going to be back for more with Nancy Hicks from Wayne, Pennsylvania. The book is called Meant to Live. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, and you're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Nancy Hicks is our guest. We're talking about her book, Meant to Live. Nancy, we've arrived at this topic. It's called Truth Protectors. Uh, What's that all about? So, Pat, that is the second of the four camps, um, again, of Christians that I've identified, and I want to say this, too, this is important, um, that people are finding themselves in one of these camps. You sort of go, ooh, I tend to lean there, Um, or once upon a time I was there, but I swung over to another camp. And it's certainly, again, you can sort of also see that you have maybe a little bit of, of each of the camps. So it's not sort of a clean delineated line, but you can kind of get the essence of, ooh, so truth protector is the second camp. These are what I'm seeing again, Christian police, a lot of judgment. What version of scripture are you reading? Are you um, speaking the right language? Do you use the right Christianese catchphrases? Um, 
And for younger people, this is a huge issue, not as much generally maybe for older people, but it is certainly something that, um, that we're seeing in terms of truth protecting. Um, are you in? Are you out? Are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? Exactly where are you? And I will be the one to judge whether you're in or out. These are our, these are our truth protectors. Now, I want you to get to the topic called keeping it reals. <laughs> so the Keeping It Real is the third of our four camps. And the Keeping It Real, again, um, so this camp of Christians, uh, if you know anything about Bonhoeffer and the cheap grace that he coins, that particular phrase, this is the Keeping It Real, where today we're looking at Christians who say, I want Jesus, but don't actually ask me to be obedient. Don't demand something from me. I, I know I've, I've got Jesus. I know he loves me, grace upon grace, but I'm not going to actually have to uh, stretch myself to do things that I don't feel I want to do. So I'm seeing a lot of that happening in the Church today. Um, and again, that goes back to that sort of cheap grace. What about number blessed? What's that mean? Yeah. Hashtag blessed. So hashtag, it's fun because hashtag blessed is uh, hashtag is a is a really big deal today. Um, everywhere, if you're on social media, using a hashtag is sort of a way to get people to sort of see um, important words. So I call this camp of Christians, and this is the fourth and final camp that I've identified. Again, not exhaustive, but um, hashtag blessed is basically the prosperity theology. Come to Jesus. And you will have all your dreams come true. You sort of treat treat God like a your bellhop. Um, come to Jesus, and you'll be wealthy. Come to Jesus, and you can pray the, uh, you know, pray the gay away. Come to Jesus, you can be um, you can be uh, healthy. And if you're not healthy, then we can just pray a particular way, and you should not have to live with that. That is our hashtag bless um, camp. And so that's the fourth and final camp that I identify in the book. My guest is Nancy Hicks. Her book is simply called Meant to Live. What are rag rights that you write about? (laughs) Rag rights, actually, um, Pat, uh, I was reading Oswald Chambers' beloved, my utmost for its highest, and and I I borrowed that particular... um, it's not a phrase, name. It was talking about uh, rag rights that's flopping around, and I thought that's exactly right. And so in that chapter, it's a short chapter that just says, so, so identify where you tend to fall. If you can see yourself there, then go for it. Identify it. And then we have a choice to make. We can cling to our rag rights. We can stay camping out in the bad news. Or we can move towards the calling that's over our lives to genuinely live and to move into the core or the basis of the gospel and come to life. So that's what that chapter's about. Uh, I want you to talk about where are you? Question mark. I I think one of the things um, that we sometimes struggle with, and this is not a Christian issue, this is a human issue, is being able to be willing to see where we actually are. And so I challenge the reader um, to take an honest assessment. Am I an untapped? Am I a truth protector? Jeez, 
Um, I'll just be honest about myself. I can be a truth protector. That's the camp. If I'm going to lean, I tend to lean there. I'm a recovering Pharisee, I'll be honest. Um, and so that's just a, ch- a chapter that helps us say, where are we, and take an honest assessment. And it's interactive. I have questions to help us sort of unpack, Am I? which camp am I in? Now, Nancy Hicks is our guest. We're talking about her book, Meant to Live. Nancy's in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Okay, we move into part two, and you open it by uh, writing a topic called Core Calling, uh, you're going to have to explain that. Yeah. So the book is really, I speak so much on different dimensions of calling. And certainly, um, Os Guinness wrote the book, The Call, years ago, a wonderful <laughs> book. And in it, he says, you know, um, that we are called. And there are, are, he actually cites two different callings. I think there are, I speak about four different callings. This is the one I speak about at retreats and conferences and um, events quite a bit. This core calling that's over all creation, again, that comes out of Genesis, that God is calling us to himself. This isn't a specific calling or a particular calling like, should I, you know, is God calling me to be in full-time, you know, in the pastorate? Or is God calling me to the mission field? It isn't that calling. It's this core shared primary calling that is, I believe, out of the mouth of God from Genesis chapter 3, calling us back to himself, calling us to life in Jesus Christ. Um, and so that's what this chapter is about. That's really what the whole book um, sort of hangs on. It's the, it's the essence or the, um, you know, the core of the book. Uh, then we move to an, a question, how then shall we live, you ask? Yes, so I find it fascinating, have found it fascinating, because, you know, the first uh, bit that we were talking about the book is really kind of diagnosing where's the church, what's the issue, what's driven me to write this book, and now we're into the second part of the book that's, uh, okay, so now let's see what God has said And so this particular um, chapter I find fascinating because when I look at Colossians, for example, um, chapter 1, God talks about, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Colossae, um, inspired by the Spirit of God. Um, But in Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes that, um, and actually I'm going to read it, He says, I want to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Verse 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so how then shall we live? When we look at the Gospel and these three out of four points being good news, and we look at Paul and we see him saying, Christ in you, follower of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I believe that how then shall we live, and I I talk about this obviously in the chapter and throughout the rest of the book, that God is calling us to a life of glory in God, you know, for God and from God, through God and to God, this calling us to this higher level, this excellence, this glorious life. It's not devoid of issues. It's not without suffering, and I talk about that further in the book, but it is a life of a higher core call to life. 
Your next topic is called The Power of the Cross. Uh, what are you writing here? So in that, I go, because I've, I've gone back to that uh, essential, the basic, which is the gospel, in the power of the cross, um, I think a lot of times we talk about the power of the cross, we talk about the power of the gospel, but in this chapter I say, I hear people talking that language, I hear people saying these good and lofty things about the gospel, but I want to see it actually executed. I want to see it actually worked out in my life and in the lives of those I love and those around me. So this chapter is a really um, very practical chapter on how do we actually live in the power of the gospel. Maybe you feel like, um, you know, life has not gone the way I thought. Um, you know, maybe a spouse has left or died. Maybe you have um, struggled with addiction. Maybe you have uh, watched your children. You poured everything into them, but they walked away. They did not actually. Um, they did not actually follow the life that you thought you had helped them. You know, set up for them um, as godly people. Maybe you've been dealt all kinds of, of issues that you think, how on earth am I supposed to live in the power of the gospel when life's been so hard? This is this chapter. It helps us kind of get to the nut and the power. How do I actually practically live in the power of the gospel? And so it looks at our issues and our, the awareness of our, our struggles and our sin, and then it takes, with every one look, I had a pastor that used to say, with every one look you take at the cross or at your sin and your issues, you take nine or ten even at the cross. And so this is that chapter. It helps us look again at the power and execute the power of the cross. Nancy Hicks is our guest. The book is called What's Next? Next topic you write about, Nancy, get honest. <laughs> so meant to live is, uh, is, again, going back to... I'm calling the church to honesty. I'm calling people, if you don't know what's wrong, you're never going to be able, you're never going to want to deal with it or want to fix it. If you don't identify that there's a problem, you're not, maybe you have an illness. If you don't say, oh, my foot is hurting me, you're not going to go to the doctor. And so this is what this next chapter is about, getting honest is doing this good work of the of, of saying there is an issue, I see it, and then going ahead and um, and actually plummeting into what Jesus has said and going after. That means you have to get honest with yourself, get honest with others in a loving way, get honest with what you see in the church today, and quit defending. Um, this is what I I call the church to in this particular, and call individuals. Of course, we are the church, people. You and I are the church. And so this is what I call people to in uh, to honesty in that particular chapter. Now, Nancy, I want you to talk about curses, that chapter. Well, um, when we look at the cross, uh, the only thing that drives us to the cross is when we can see, we take a, an honest account of who we are. And um, and so in this particular chapter, I talk about 
the things, who we are, and also the things that have been maybe spoken over us, um, the things that we have done, the things we've left undone, the things that have been spoken over us, done to us. We have a lot of people walking away because they've been burned by the church. Maybe you're one of them. Someone who has felt um, like they were done wrong a long time ago, but they've never been able to actually deal with that. In this chapter, I, again, this is why before this chapter is the getting on it. I, and by the way, can I say this? My mother was 80 years old when she died. She was in her 70s when this material she and I were working through together. I had not written the book yet. I was just talking to her about these concepts and helping my mom. In her 70s, my mother started only then to get really honest about some of the things that had been done to her, some of the hurts and the wounds that she had uh, had in her life. And that's what this chapter is about. It's dealing with some of those issues. And I don't think you can have genuine life until you face some of this stuff head on. Give me 30 seconds before we have to leave on blessings. Mm. So blessings is, if you're, if you're looking at those, the things that are hard, then you also need to then look at the glory of the cross. This is the good news, the, the gospel, the good news. And that is, if you look at the curses, you better then take a really honest, after you've done that, take a really honest look at then the good blessings that, have, that God has given, God has bestowed on you, the glory He's given for God, from God, through God, to God. Um, and that is really, that chapter really leads into all the rest of the book, which is excellence, and, and really looking at how we can live in light of the good news. That's why, again, the book is called Meant to Live. So that blessing, that chapter on blessings really sets it up well. Nancy Hicks has been our guest the book, Meant to Live. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. Nancy Hicks, our guest in that first segment, uh, talking about her book, Meant to Live. Uh, Joe Horn joins us from uh, his uh, home in Missouri author of Everyday Champions. First of all, Joe, welcome. I'm I'm glad that we can visit. I hope things are well with you. They are. Thanks, Pat. So good to be here. Give me the background on this book, how it came about, and why it was important for you to write it. Well, that is a loaded question. I feel burdened by the Lord to share things with believers that I feel are urgent for the day that we're facing. Um, the background origins, of course, begin when I'm a child growing up in some of the largest evangelical Christian kind of charismaniac movements uh, in the United States, and I got to see kind of beyond the smokescreen of what some of the largest religious institutions allow people to see and what they do not disclose in terms of everything from financial misappropriations to uh, ministers of, of, of huge you know, television value and whatnot. Um, putting on the persona that people are allowed to see on television, but what their hearts are truly like beyond the the, uh, the smokescreen, I guess I call it, and how some of the gifts of the Spirit, the most powerful ones that I believe are in the Bible that people overlook all the time, that never get preached about, the ones that are in use every day by people doing what I call the grind work of what ministry really looks like, uh, how that often gets overlooked or mislabeled, 
because of people's fascination with the more sensational, popular gifts of the Spirit. And a lot of this is being injured and further demonstrated on some of these large outlets that I talk about. Now, Everyday Champions is not a hit piece. I use pseudonames, so I don't actually come out and attack anyone specifically. I, I use more of the ideas behind their theology just to make the argument that when we put um, what I call the circus show on display, and what do I mean by that? When you attend, a, a, let's say, a big revival service, and the, the whole premise is that if you come forward and buy my DVD box set, or if you come forward and follow through my motions or subscribe to my formulas, that you will receive either the gift of your choosing, as if we could simply wield whatever spiritual gifts that the Lord has for us, like a buffet. We'll take a little of this, we'll take a little of that. Ooh, I want a large portion of that gifting. This is not why God gives his, uh, his uh, people with, with spiritual gifts in the first place. It's about edifying the Lord and not about exalting ourselves on the grand stage to make money or power or fame or the other things that drive kind of the sensual, lustful sides of humanity. Is this, is this kind of making sense? Oh, yes, Joe. I'm, I'm listening attentively. And, okay, okay. Well, you, you let me know if you need to switch gears or if I get off the track here where you want to go. But growing up in some of the largest evangelical movements, uh, and of course my father, for your listeners that may be familiar with his work, Dr. Thomas Horn, he's a multi-time best-selling author. He's written on supernatural things and spiritual warfare and ghosts and entities and UFOs, and how, how does that square with a biblical, a grounded biblical worldview? Um, I got to see a lot of really balanced perspectives as well. Um, but but because of the sheer exposure of being in that lane behind the cameras, you know, next to the cameras, with, with you know, people of huge cloth and celebrity, I was able to see some of the stuff that, you know, ordinary people out there that, that are never exposed to that world um, get to see. And so I grew up with, there was, there was kind of two lanes. There was what I call the, the super hyper charismaniac movement that tends to focus on the more, you know, sensational spiritual gifts in the Bible, then they torment them and take them out of context biblically to put them on display so that these can be wielded almost to exalt themselves. To, and, I'm, and I'm being very sarcastic here, so please, I hope this isn't off-putting, but they put these gifts, uh, they torment them, they misrepresent them, and they display them as though they themselves are some kind of hierarchical grand wizard for God. And only if you're super enlightened and if you're as spiritual as they are, yeah. uh, hence the need to buy their book or to follow their Twitter or whatever else, that then you can you know, raise to this level of super grand wizard for God status, but only if you follow their formula. But in the meantime, you've got what I describe are the everyday champions out there, and these I share in the book, some of the most profound people of impact in my life, are the ones that are doing, again, the grind work of what ministry really looks like. It's that day-to-day, shoulder-to-the-plow, uh, invest in your community, take time to, to love on the little children and disciple those that need big brothers and fathers and mothers, and, and it's, it's the people baking pies for the community auction to raise money for the uh, for those in need, it's, it's those people that, by the way, uh, are often overlooked. I can tell you from decades of being in ministry, we've we've resigned some of the largest chairs and some of the largest organizations in the United States um, and experienced no gratitude for those things. And I'm fine with it because I was there to serve the king and not 
the, the people over me in ministry in the first place. But I have seen people injured by that. You know, pastors, they give 20 years of their life, and then they resign, and the organization says nothing. They don't even so much as, you know, give them a cake and a card that says thank you. It's <laughs> just, just absolutely, totally overlooked. And what about the guy that's out there cleaning the toilets for his church? Is he spiritually gifted, or is he just a talented person who's willing to give of himself? Is a person, you know, mentoring a child, is that person spiritually gifted? Or Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These are the spiritual gifts that I believe get completely overlooked. Let me let me share something with you, if I may, Pat. Are we are we tracking right along here, or is this, yes, have I lost you? But uh, Joe, I do want to ask you about that yes. <clears throat> the book you wrote a while back called Time Bomb. Yes. Uh, where does that fit into this discussion? What was the impact of Time Bomb? Time Bomb is, in in a way, it, it is generally tied together with everyday champions, just because we as a society, especially in the United States, have so deranged our metabolic pathways, our methylation pathways, our digestive pathways, our hormonal pathways. Everything that God originally created when he created humankind, we are literally in a war against God. We are deranging our food sources. We're tormenting the genetics of our animals. We're, we're doing this to our food supplies by using pesticides and herbicides and, and, and chemicals like glyphosate in all of our vegetables. This stuff, you know, these are weed killers or, or, or growth hormones that are supposed to make food look like food and, and be more yieldable faster, but not at all of God's design. And so the, the, the havoc that that is wreaking on our bodies and then our, our, our endocrine systems, our prion systems, the way we pass our genetics on to our children we, you know, disease, cancer, Crohn's, fibromyalgia, autoimmune, everything is on the rise. And there is no slowing of that trend right now. And so I'm not here to just speak apocalyptically. There are moves and counter moves that we can make in order to sidestep or minimize the exposures to the things that are basically tearing us apart as human beings. A lot of people grappling with depression. They don't need medication. They need a detox diet and a different way of living. We, we, we run to traditional medicine practitioners every time something throbs or hurts, and 99% of the time there's never going to be a cure. There's going to be a medication administered to mitigate the symptoms but never actually touch the root cause of our disease. Does this make sense? Yes. So we continue drinking toxic water out of plastic bottles that bleed out phthalates and bisphenol A that are xenoestrogens that torment our body's metabolic pathways and our ability to recreate uh, healthy hormone tissues. We, we, we store estrogen, which is, you know, stubborn belly fat. We don't know why when we run on a treadmill but don't change our diet, why we can't repair these systems that are, that are now, you know, tormented. So anyway, how does that fit in with Everyday Champions? Because there's kind of a two, one-two punch. Time Bomb is a book that came out of 20 years of my own experience suffering from autoimmune disease. I also have a genetic condition called MTHFR, which if you want to get into all that becomes a whole other three-hour audio series. But suffice to say, uh, I was able to, once I got away from surgeries, CAT scans, MRIs, uh, you know, bioidentical hormonal rigmarole, et cetera, et cetera, was able to start reversing and put, I had diverticulosis, prostatinia, constant prostate pain, 
um, digestive disorders, acid reflux, weight gain, weight loss, uh, no energy, brain fog. And this goes on for 20 years. And every, every trip to the emergency room with diverticulitis, you know, a, 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 an infection that gets inside the large intestine and can be fatal if your colon is to rupture, which is what they tell you to expect, basically, with disease, that if it reoccurs too often, you'll end up, you know, potentially dead because you could become septic if one of these polyps in your colon essentially bleeds out. So all of the fear and the medication, and none of this is helping me at all, and not one time for 20 years did any of my traditional medicine doctors ever actually mention, ever, diet, mm -hmm. lifestyle. This never came up. It was always, try this medication, let's try that medication, let's diet. Like the plate-spinning guy, you know, you, you see the, 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 the plate-spinning entertainer, you go to Branson and places where they've got the guy spinning the plates, have you seen this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> And Joe, what if you're you, going to dial this med up? What if you dial that one back down? Now what, you got to bump this one up. Bump that one down. What have you learned about your uh, your eating habits? Well, it's all in the book Time Bomb, but Time Bomb also deals with reversing autoimmune disease just at the core. So if your listeners are out there and somebody is listening to this and they have fibromyalgia or they've been told they have Crohn's disease or colitis or diverticulosis or hormonal imbalance or they've been diagnosed with ADHD or they have children diagnosed with ADHD, guys, I'm here to tell you that, that the... I, and there's not enough time in today's program, but 20 years of the autoimmune disease and the several years working with holistic naturopathic style doctors that have more holistic approach to healing your body through, you know, the correction of the diet, avoiding chemicals, toxicities, getting clean drinking water, this kind of thing, filtered water, um, you know, clean foods. Um, that is basically what Time Bomb takes on. And a lot of traditional medicine does not acknowledge that there are even ways to cure or reverse things like Crohn's and fibromyalgia. But take a look at the testimony after testimony after te Just do a basic Google, uh, Google search. Anybody that's curious, look up Time Bomb the book. Look up testimonials. I don't even look up Time Bomb the book. Look up testimonials from people uh, who've been able to put some of these diseases in remission or dramatically improved the quality of their life just by cleaning up their diets, getting off the medications. This is what I'm getting at. So that is what Time Bomb is. And it, and it tries to take the whole subject down to a level where a normal person who's already overwhelmed can basically spoon-feed themselves baby steps. If you try to, if you try to overnight change the way you eat, change everything, buy a, buy a water filter, convert the whole family away from sugar, start avoiding breads, make sure that your food is, um, you know, free of toxicity, and then the label games, and how does USDA, USDA organic versus the genetic, you know, the, the GMO verified project.org, what about all, it's just, it's just overwhelming. You will literally be overwhelmed, and you will throw up your hands, especially if you're sick, and you're tired, and you're already at your wit's end. Believe me, that's where I was. Let me put it this way, Pat. Time Bomb is the, the accumulation of the book I wished I had had 20 years ago. Mm. Joe? That, that is, that's probably the, the shortest explanation. It will navigate you in very digestible baby steps, how to, how to make these strides away from triggering what is causing your inflammation and all of these other issues. Joe, when we come back, I want to uh, talk and get your feelings about uh, the role the Holy Spirit plays in your life. Uh, get us started on that topic, then we'll take a break and we'll finish it. Go ahead. 
you want me to start now? Yeah, we've got about a minute and a half before the break. You know, tell us the role the Holy Spirit plays in your life. Well, that's going to be tough to do in a minute, but I will, I will say when we come back from the, the break, yes. I will pivot back to where I was going with the, the original part of this interview where we were talking about everyday champions, and I'd love to talk to you about some of the most overlooked gifts in the Bible and how those apply to people out there right now that are listening to this program. My guest, and he's in the state of Missouri, uh, he's written a couple of amazing books. The first one was Time Bomb. And the second was Everyday Champions. By the way, uh, give me a quick uh, overview on Defender Publishing Group, Joe. Defender Publishing is a is a Christian publisher. We are very unique in that we take on um, subjects like UFOs, aliens, stargates, portals, demonic possession, deliverance. It, we we touch basically all of the stuff that that. Unfortunately, we feel like the vast majority of the commercialized, popularized church-slash-publishing industry does not touch. We do it all through theological works, uh, people like Dr. Dr. Michael Heiser or my father, Dr. Thomas Horn, who use uh, the traditional approach to a biblical filter when looking at these subjects. So we don't add to what the Scripture says. We don't try to sensationalize but we, we absolutely take the tough questions that people out there right now feel like they're getting answers from television and, you know, ghost hunter programming and all of these things. They believe they're learning, they're becoming enlightened, but I'll tell you what they don't have is the peace of Christ in their heart, and so they're going to keep that search going until they find answers. That's Joe Horn, our guest. More with Joe. Everyday Champions, the name of the book. It's the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And you're listening to the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. Joe Horn is our guest from Missouri. Uh, his book is out. It's called Everyday Champions. And it uh, comes on the heels of his other book, Time Bomb. Uh, Defender Publishing Group put it out. Joe, uh, tell me about the Holy Spirit and what that role that that plays in your life let me I, I let me get to that in about 30 seconds just to button up what we were talking yes. about with time bomb you asked me how that all plays in the bottom line is when our temples are being annihilated by chemical things that god never intended for our bodies to try to detox from or cope with when we then go on our knees to ask the lord why our churches are desperately depressed or when our own private lives are completely stressed out when we feel like we have no energy to even cope with the barrage that is the way we live our modern life in 2019, that also stifles our ability to just wait on the Lord in peace and wait for his resolve in situations we're praying through. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. You look at how confused so many of our young people are. Some of it is indoctrination of the public school system when you get into things like what identity to select, and I'll leave it there so that I'm being very careful on your program. But then we go, Lord, why are so many little boys confused about being a boy, and why are so many girls confused about what it is to grow up and be a woman? And then we look at things like bisphenol A, phthalates. There are, there are chemicals literally coming off the lining of the diapers we're putting our boys in that confuse and, and, and create estrogen-dominant little boys. It's not all completely indoctrination of the public schools. It's also diet, lifestyle, chemical exposures. There's things that people are not aware of. So, again, 
Time bomb deals with all of that, but it definitely screws with how we feel. That makes it very difficult to then wait on the Lord with a discerning ear and, and know whether it's it's Him discerning with us through a problem we're praying through, or if it's our chemical imbalance being thrown completely off because we drink out of plastic water bottles. Does this make sense? Yes. Yes. So so just, just wanted to button that up. But let's pivot back to the front end of this uh, interview. So you, you're asking me about the Holy Spirit, and I was talking to you about the most overlooked gifts in the Spirit. I want to tell you that I believe God has burdened me with this urgent message for believers during, Pat, what may be our final hours here on earth. I believe that another great awakening is literally just around the corner, and it could be the biggest spiritual movement the world has ever seen. I'm talking about a massive harvest of souls just ahead. Mm. I believe that God wants to pour out His Spirit in powerful and unprecedented ways, just like were predicted, by the way, in Joel 2.28, including those signs and wonders the likes of which have never been witnessed before. I think God is preparing a remnant right now, and I think it's time for believers in Christ to recognize, awaken, and fully operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which He has given them for the days ahead. It is for these reasons that I've compiled the book, Everyday Champions, because this work deals with the most powerful yet overlooked gifts of the Spirit in the Bible, which never get preached about, they almost never get talked about, but these gifts can literally invigorate Christians to to unlock and recognize their particular gifting. Simple questions like, does a person with talent who gives themselves to the Church are they actually spiritually gifted, or are they just laborers who view themselves as not one of the super megastars that's pastoring a super church, who, who's maybe offering something to the body of Christ, but without that you know, multi-million listener Twitter feed and, and podcast, they, they simply aren't one of the real champions doing the, the real you know, meat-on-the-bone, uh, you know, vast lion's share of ministry. No, no, no. It's helpful and it's handy that they sweep the floors and... and you know, invest in their communities, but they're not spiritually gifted. They're just willing soul, you know, little foot soldiers, like little lemmings for God who throw in their little two cents. But really, and this is a mindset that, that the Church, I'm being facetious here, but this is a mindset that so much of the Church is kind of designed so that then it makes it easy for them, for them to exalt themselves into these, um, you know, self-perceived places of higher echelon, of enlightenment. Like if I'm a level 10 Christian, well, you're a level 2. I'm level 10 because I'm on the radio and I've got a published book, but you're a level 2 because you do the things, you're in the kitchen cleaning and, you know, making pies for the church auction. Let me let me throw a couple of these. When we think, when we, a lot of Christians, as soon as they hear the phrase, gifts of the Spirit, they immediately gravitate to 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, mm-hmm. the obvious gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, healings, miracles, etc. But some of the most powerful gifts that God has given us, the ones that we operate in that, that are not fully unlocked because we don't even see them as gifts, are overlooked or they're completely misunderstood. If we go to 1 Corinthians twelve twenty eight, it talks about the gift of helps, governments. And if you hop over to Romans 12, 6 through 8, it talks about the gifts of ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, ruling, and mercy. Wait a minute. Okay, so then we hear maybe a sermon every now on the gift of helps or something like this. 
or the uh, the uh, the gift of uh, mercy, you know, withholding judgments. Okay, so you're merciful. Well, that was a gift. It's kind of a one-off. But we so diminish what these gifts mean. Let me give you one example, and then if you'd like more, we can go on. But I'll give you one example, and then I'll pause to breathe, and you tell me if this is where you're wanting to go here. But the gift of helps. Let's just take a look at this very briefly. The Greek word for helps is antilempsis or antilimbano. It means in the in, it basically translates from the uh, from the Greek into to English as a laying a hold of. Now people think that this means to be really handy, like if I carry the groceries for a little lady that's coming out of the grocery. Wasn't that handy? Look, he was handy. That was a really handy thing he did. Now, if God has ordained you in a moment to do something kind for someone, God can use that in a million ways. I'm not trying to diminish that. But if that's all you think the gift of helps is, you're, you're just scratching the tip of the iceberg. You're looking at 1%. This is a rescue that we're talking about. The gift of helps is a matter of survival. It's not a making something more convenient gift. It is a church cannot survive without it gift. Think about this, Pat. The, the, the mother of Christ, Mary, while she's pregnant with Jesus, spoke of this same helps when she was praising the Lord for rescuing the entire world by sending his son in Luke 1.54, we read, He hath helped, Antelimbano, there's that word again, his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. God himself is the helper in this verse. So in this framework, God personally displays the gift of helps, Antelimbano, right here in the book of Luke, when he sent the prophesied Messiah and saved an entire generation, excuse me, an entire nation. The creator of the universe is not just above demonstrating the gift of helps as he saves the whole world and every believer in it and crushes the wall separating Jew and Gentile forever. So if you're one of the people listening to this program and you've been gifted with the supernatural gift of helps, you have to start seeing it for what it is. It's not just this grind labor of love that has, you know, nominal value to the kingdom. Sure, God will take it since it's there, but, but really we've got to be focused on being a megastar. And if you only order now, you'll receive three more DVDs and unlocking the supernatural gifts of healing, et cetera, et cetera. You see how this stuff has been abused and packaged to make you feel maybe less adequate? I'm not saying you, Pat. I'm saying so many of the people out there do. And that, that, that to me is what is stifling so many of these super soldiers. They don't even know. They don't even see their value. They see themselves the way the world has made them feel about themselves. And I was praying, with, you know, like a year ago, Lord, give, give me something for these listeners. Give me something for these warriors that are doing your bidding but have been made to feel like it has less value. And I really felt like the Lord said, Joe, I want you to share this with people. I want you to tell them that, uh, sorry, are, are you there? Yes, yes, yes. I'm so sorry. You know, you're right here. You know, Joe, I want you to, we've got about a little over a minute. Um, can you uh, uh, give a challenge to our listeners? Sorry, sorry, are you there? I am, Joe. Can you hear me? I, I apologize, Pat. There was a clicking, and, and a few minutes ago when you went to your break, I, I literally didn't even know if you could hear me, like I, the call had gotten No. Dropped. Give me a 30-second challenge to our listeners, uh, and then, then we got a break. A 30-second okay, challenge, okay. Joe. Okay, so I really feel like God wanted me to share this with people. Now, this is a challenge, because for some, this is going to be really tough to do. 
But I felt like God said, Joe, I want you to tell people that they need to stop viewing themselves the way the world has made them view themselves. Instead, they need to see themselves the way that God sees them, which is a perfect, beautiful creation whose value is unmatched and whose future is a wide-open canvas of endless possibilities if they'd only surrender to His will, to His plan for their lives. And for some, this is going to be really hard because they've been abused. Maybe as a child, you had an uncle that did something devastating to your past. Maybe you've been in a job where your employer makes you feel small and and worth less than the rest of the employees. Maybe you're in a, a relationship where you feel inadequate. God wants you to view yourself as a person of unmatched potential and value. You just need to surrender to his will for your life. Joe Horn has been our guest, Everyday Champions. Uh, We've got to wrap up after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Thanks for joining us, folks, for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In that first segment, Nancy Hicks from the suburbs of Philadelphia uh, talked about her book, Meant to Live. And then uh, Joe Horn in Missouri his book called Everyday Champions. Uh, I want to just take a minute and tell you about the latest book I've written. It's called Lead Like Walt. Uh, Many, many years ago, I became fascinated with the life of Walt Disney, who still impacts all of us here in Central Florida to this day. And in this latest book, we look at him through the lens of leadership. What was it about Walt Disney? What were his leadership strengths? Uh, as leaders, what can we take and apply to our own lives? Uh, HCI is the publisher. Go up to Amazon. Good way to order books. We're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.